VoiceOver describes what's happening on your iPhone screen. VoiceOver on settings. So you can navigate it just by listening. Books, contacts, calendar, double tap to open. Breakfast with Anna from 10 to 11. And get on with your day. Accessibility. There's more to iPhone. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. chink of cocktail coops. Welcome to Off Air with Jane and Fee. I had more of the martini than you did, I think, didn't I? I think you did, yeah. I only had a tiny little sip and it went it went straight to my head. Your performance afterwards was very adequate. Well, no, the really weird thing was that we were both lisping in anticipation of, of even drink. having a drink. Well, we were stone cold sober, but just the thought of the dangerous spirit that was going to enter the studio... Uh, meant that we were stumbling all over our words. Uh, Paul Feig was our guest today, and he was delightful, wasn't he? What a lovely man, and so smart. I mean, we could learn a thing or two, couldn't we? Well, he was in a bespoke Savile Row suit, and he looked ever so elegant. He had a proper shirt and tie on. For people who don't know his work, and not everybody stays to see the credits roll, uh, he's the director behind loads of movies, the theme being really interesting, strong and different female leads. So he's done Spy, Ghostbusters, the remake, uh, and Bridesmaids will be his most famous film, but he's also directed loads of things like The Office and Arrested uh, Development and some episodes of Mad Men. So he's a proper Hollywood ledge. Well, it was lovely to have him in the studio. And he talked to us really, um, this might seem strange, but he was here really to talk about alcohol because when the pandemic struck, he started doing lots of mixology um, films on the socials um, and he popped these mini movies up and he just became a bit of a thing, didn't he? He did, and he decided to write a book, which is much more than just the cocktail recipes. So there's lots of anecdotage. Uh, from all of his Hollywood mates. Uh, but he's a, he's a good writer as well, and he's got a nice kind of uh, self-deprecating tone. Yeah. He did tell us, and it was quite helpful, actually, that it was perfectly natural. He look, did tell us. Look, that's I'm what's happened. Again. You're just thinking about Booth, and you're falling in love with yourself. He did tell us that it was perfectly natural <laughs> to be lisping in anticipation of a drink. Well, you should always be gasping for a lovely drink. That's my that's my feeling. That, that, that's me. Yes, are you? <laughs> oh, I always am. Yes. Uh, did you get very very drunk during the pandemic? Well, it definitely happened. Uh, you know, I wanted to do something for people. You know, starting right at the beginning of lockdown. Because remember, it was terrifying because we yes, didn't, yeah. we had no idea how it was being transmitted. And I just knew I wanted to help, and I wanted to raise money for first responders and medical professionals and all that. And so I thought, well, I can. I'll start to make cocktails. Learn how to make cocktails. I 
I knew how to make a martini and, and, a, and a Negroni, but I have all these cocktail books. So I thought, well, I'll do this on camera and we'll have fun and try to give somebody, everybody something to watch at five o'clock, you know, Los Angeles time where I was at the time, uh, every day for a hundred days in a row. And we did it and it was, I, I think it was nice for people. I think they had something to kind of look forward to. And how big did it all get? I mean, it got it got pretty big. It didn't go like crazy, like Stanley Tucci or anything. My friend Stanley Tucci. He is who, your friend, is he? He is my friend. Okay. Yes, and he's he's gone through the roof and much more monetized <laughs> his cocktail skills. <laughs> but no, it was really nice. I we raised a lot of money and and, um, and it just I, so many people would write me and just kind of thank me for just giving them something to take their mind off of how scary it was at that time. Is um is America's attitude to alcohol very different to the traditional British approach? Because yeah. I don't associate you with drinking heavily. No, well, we are a puritanical country, and you do yeah. see it. Um, but you, you see it more in depends where you are. Like Los Angeles is very basically kind of alcohol adverse. Like if you go out to lunch, like a business lunch, and dare order a glass of wine or something, suddenly eyebrows go up, and then you hear from the town, "Oh, so and so has a drinking problem." <laughs> no, I'm just having a nice glass of wine. Um, yeah, especially for gin, because I I'm a gin fanatic, and gin is not very popular in the U.S., but it's obviously obviously hugely popular here. Um, yeah, you you feel it changing. I think Uber has changed a lot in the states as far as drinking goes, because you couldn't go out. And, and get home, but now it's much easier to go out and get home. So I, I do think people are opening up more, but it's, mm. it's not it's not the boozy culture that I love the UK for. And it was what? London that uh, where you found booze to be a bit more intriguing, wasn't it, when you were a younger man? Yeah, yeah. Which I, I find strange, because I think you must be talking about, when would it be, in the 1980s? Well, I first started coming here in the 90s. In I, the I 90s. was here a couple times earlier than that, but the 90s when my wife and I met in 1990 and we always came here. Because the London that you describe as a kind of glamorous place to drink, certainly more glamorous than, you know, the places that you would have been able to, yeah. to drink back in America. You know, I always think of, of London as, as not great, actually, for glamour. Back in the 90s, it was pubs, it was yeah. loud bars. Where were you going? <laughs> <laughs> I found a few. I mean, you can go to the Savoy and the Claridge's. Okay. And that That's where you were going wrong, Fee. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Not that I could afford it back then. No, for me, it was more the idea that drinking wasn't looked upon as being so taboo here. You know, in America, when you go to a, a bar, it's a, it's a closed bunker with no windows. And um, so you're kind of... There's a shame about it. And here, the first time walking down the street and seeing all these people standing out on the street, I go, what's going on? Did they evacuate a building? It's like, oh, no, it's a pub and it's closing time. You know, <laughs> people are off work and people are just out having a drink. And it's there's windows and there's children in the pub. And, you know, and it's this nice kind of social scene. And I thought that was that was really magical for me. Yeah. Uh, you've brought your cocktail equipment into the studio. Uh, would you like to start mixing something? Yes, I'm going to make you what I consider to be the best martini in the world. Lovely. I do it. I uh, think we've got a little little bit of music just to help. Oh, isn't that This is very, wow. This is oh, very Escavel. But I tell of... you, could you be the, the classic bartender and we'll just chat amicably while you mix yeah. the drink? Hey, uh, well, welcome, ladies. I'm glad you can make it to my, my place. Paul, we're delighted to be here. What uh, star sign are you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm a Virgo. Oh. <laughs> 
<laughs> what star sign are you, Joan? Cancer. Okay, I'm a Pisces. <laughs> well, you don't count. We're not interested. It's me and Paul. <laughs> That's no. right. Exactly. Come on. Oh, you're still nasty. Uh, <laughs> why did you want to specifically make films to tackle a female stereotype? Was it a kind of Damascene conversion one day, or did you just notice this hinterland that Hollywood was ignoring? Well, I was mostly friends with uh, with women and girls growing up, and you know, love them and their senses of humor. Mind if I stir while we do this? <laughs> Paul, I really don't mind. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> it's got to be very cold. Um, uh, and, I, you know, so they were funny and, and smart and everything, and then I would watch movies, and you would just see these female characters either being, being very one-dimensional, and in comedy especially, they're either the shrewish girlfriend or the mean wife or the you know, man, mean mother. And then I had friends, you know, who were famous kind of female comedians, and you'd see them in a movie, and they weren't allowed to be funny. They were just being mean or, or terrible, and it, it made me very upset. And I always wanted to tell women's stories anyway. I just feel very much closer to those stories. And so just kind of started to do it, but it was hard. I couldn't do it in the beginning. It wasn't until really until Bridesmaids took off that it allowed me to be able to mm. get them made. Yeah, and well, that, we're very grateful. The fuss around the female Ghostbusters. Oh. Just, that was just, that was another one of yours, but that was incredible. It was exhausting. It was really, and it was so silly. And a lot of it, I, I will say, a lot of it came from the UK. Did it? Yeah, yeah. It was kind of amazing. And look, I, I get it. It's you know, it's a sacred cow that movie. I didn't realize what a sacred cow was because I was in college when it came out. But a lot of you know young boys grew up with it. And, uh, you know, I guess I kind of stepped into something that they just didn't want me to do. But, you know, what's nice is this whole new generation of, of younger people really love the movie. And, you know, I have a lot of parents come up and say, oh, it's my son and daughter's favorite favorite movie. Mm. So, yeah. When you've been a director for as long as you have, and a really successful one, do you find it changes your eye just in how you view the world? Does it become more uncomfortable to be in a world where things aren't going entirely <laughs> your way all the time? <laughs> You'd think I'd be a control freak. But uh, no, I, 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 if anything, I am addicted to the world around me uh, and observing it and trying to find out how to portray things more realistically. And also, what are people interested in? Because that's the hardest thing we have in this business is coming up with ideas that people care about. You know, because we can come up with ideas we like all day long, but you really have to run it through a litmus test of does anyone want to see that? And what I have to do is say, okay, if I was in a movie theater and saw a trailer for this movie, would I, and I didn't know myself, I would say, would I, oh, would I have to see that or not? And that cuts out a lot of, a lot of movies if you really think about it. 
They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. You're listening to Off Air with Jane and Fee. We're talking to Hollywood director turned mixicologist Paul Feig, and we're going back to him at the perfect time. I think it's time to pour these martinis, too. Oh, Paul, go for it. Here they go. Mm. There was so much drinking in Mad Men, wasn't there? Do you ever worry... <laughs> a little bit about that kind of image. You know, drink pulls people down in real life, if we can be realistic. About I don't this. know, that is true. That's something, it, you know, being a, the cocktail guy now with my book and everything, you do kind of go like, I don't want to like lure people into some kind of vice. But at the same time, you know, adult living and, and you know, <laughs> having fun as a grown-up is about, you know, grown-up vices, if you will. It, but you have to be able to handle them, you know, uh, responsibly oh. uh, but yeah I mean Mad Men I, I actually only did a few episodes of it so uh, I feel much less he's not responsible uh, no, oh, it's not my fault exactly yeah, nothing to do with you but, uh, speaking oh, of drinks that. there yes, we go now, what do you think of these glasses because somebody went up to the They're 17th okay. floor and basically nicked them I think uh, what would you describe them as, as uh... these are a little more uh, I would dare say champagne uh, glasses okay. uh, classic uh, Marie Antoinette but uh, now, now normally that glass would be frozen uh, so, oh, so sorry, it's not we quite cold weren't enough. able to do that. That's okay. But uh, I just yeah. I don't want you to judge me fully on this. this I is... thought better of the people who run News UK. I thought they'd have had... Well, I'm sorry. I, just... I know. It's, it's, so very, what's, it's what's, very upsetting. What's right? in Cheers. this pool and what makes it so classic and so special? It's a gin. It's my own gin, by the way. Oh. Um, uh, Arting Stahl's Brilliant London Dry Gin, which I make. Um, and is, it is available now. <laughs> do you like it? I, 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 yeah, absolutely. Excellent. Good. Whether I can continue working, I don't know. But, <laughs> That's yeah. my goal, is to take you down. <laughs> um, and I make a very dry martini, so I just literally like a drop of vermouth, but then uh, stir it until it's very, very cold. And yeah. then uh, a, a lemon twist, which you just uh, express the uh, the lemon oil on top of the on the surface. Thank oh you my so much. word! Paul. Yeah, and then uh, off you go. Yes. Uh, and in all seriousness, how many of these could you get through on a, a sort of standard uh, evening? I mean, if the evenings sort of, if I'm drawing it out over the evening, I could do three or four. But but that's over the course of the evening. If, if you just down them in one sitting. Yeah, I mean, I should point out that Fee and I are, we're both about five foot one. <laughs> and I just put it to you that we might struggle with more than one of these. Over okay. The, uh, yeah, maybe. I actually, I poured you a small one there. I, I still, I've got enough here I could actually drink right out of the, right <laughs> out of the, the mixing glass. Even we have some sort of standard. Thank you, thank you. Some decorum, please. Yeah, okay. Um, <laughs> what, can we talk sort of semi-seriously about the state of, it's a big question for you, Paul, but you are an American. Yeah. Um, what's happening to America? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm very heartened by the midterms, I will say. Okay, so. Yeah, because we really thought it was going to go off the rails with all these election deniers and all That's that. That's my kind of, I, we, a lot of us here, don't get the election denial thing. Uh, we don't get it either, honestly. Here, here, I will explain it to you in, in one word. Uh, um, bad loser, sore loser, two words. It's basically Donald Trump is a is a uh, uh, you know a malignant narcissist and. I was like, oh, how is he going to handle when he loses? And you go, oh, no, I know how he's going to handle when he loses. He's going to say he didn't lose. And that's what it was. And so everybody else just jumped on it. I don't know if anybody else believes it. I mean, it was proven to be one of the most honest uh, elections ever in our country. And yet one guy who can't deal with it just opened this up. And, and they, you know, the, the, the GOP saw it as a, just any way to just stay in power. So they just all kind of jumped on it. But fortunately, you know, the majority of Americans rejected it. And that was really heartening to me. 
why isn't there a greater push within uh, the younger demographic in America to be represented by somebody their own age? Yeah. Well, I mean, there is. The the problem is just, you know, still the, the majority of the electorate is, electorate is still older voters. And, you know, I mean, honestly, the young vote really saved us in the midterms. They came out for this in a way that polling didn't show because polling doesn't tend to go through cell phones. You know, they go through traditional phones and all that. So that's, you know, older people have that. But, no, they definitely wanted it just it's it's an uphill battle to find the person who's going to really set everybody on fire at the same time but we've got some great people I, i'm a big fan of uh, uh, gretchen uh, um oh God, I'm like, Bond, um, out, out of uh, michigan oh, i wish uh, i knew not, not whitmer gretchen whitmer uh, oh, i God. nearly said it yes there you go and i'm from michigan so <laughs> i'm gonna be drunk very, very drunk. <laughs> yeah. drunk. i didn't even have any yet i'm, I'm going right to this mixing glass i'll tell you that <laughs> uh, and actually uh, the whole female empowerment thing has been yours been your domain you've made it your domain but there are still uh, Kamala Harris, again, for reasons mm. that many of us here don't fully get because we're, we're not entirely up to speed with American politics. Mm. But why has she been such a flop and why aren't people talking about her as a potential successor? I don't know. I'm a big Kamala fan, I have to say, and I supported her in the in the election. But I mean, I think, you know, Joe Biden has a way he wants to do things and he doesn't want to have, I think, somebody, you know, his vice president sort of, you know, coming in and taking too much of the spotlight, I guess. I, I don't quite understand it. But, um, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm a Biden fan, so I know that's taboo to say it. But I think he's doing a really good job. If you look at what he's doing, what he's getting accomplished is pretty good. Do you want to I'm see concerned. him run again? No, I mean, uh, he just turned 80, so I don't want to be ageist on anybody. Well, you can be, because uh, I mean, let's just be honest about it. Yeah. It's, it's too old. It's, it's, it's up there. It's up there. So, it's up there. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is exactly. up there. Yeah, until I'm 80, then I'll be like, hey, he's young. Leave him alone. <laughs> Last <laughs> of understatement. Uh, as a filmmaker and as a creative, how do you get the message across to an increasingly polarised audience? So we talked, I mentioned Powder Keg, uh, your, your digital content uh, initiative. Mm -hmm. You know, how are you ever going to get those first-person experiences witnessed by people who need to maybe see a little bit more from a different kind of a place? Well, it depends who's telling the story. I I'm very enamoured with uh, Jordan Peele. I think he's very, very smart in the fact that he, you know, is able to tell the, these these black stories through the horror genre and people go to see it because you go because you just see that it doesn't matter who you are, you know, what color you are. You go like that looks like a cool movie. I want to go see that. And that's what it is. It's just it's a meritocracy now. It's up to us as filmmakers. We can't just put stuff on. Oh, everybody's going to go see it. We have to find undeni undeniable ideas and do them in a way that make people want to go. So it's, it's harder for us to figure that out. But that's what we should be doing. Mm. I think one of the absolutely blissful things about Bridesmaids is it was a movie that you could go and see with your male friends or your husband yeah. or your partner. And they would watch it and find the funny bits too, you yeah. know, in a way that I think, you know, perhaps the title didn't suggest they were going to enjoy it. Yeah, they, there was a lot of, uh, you know, uh, they, they were rejecting it, but a lot of guys got dragged to it. And, <laughs> you know, and basically I think it was like, you know, okay, I'll go with her to this and then she has to go see whatever superhero movie or, you know, war movie I want or to the see. the hangover. Yeah, exactly. But then they saw it and they really liked it and they realized it was okay. You know, and that's why I think a lot of my movies have done pretty well, like The Heat and Spy. You know, it's a, it's a buddy cop movie. It's a spy movie. Movie. You know, I, I try not to. I want to make movies that everybody can enjoy, and I want to make movies that 
that women are in that they don't go, oh, that's a chick flick or whatever, which I, I despise the term chick flick. I think it's just a way for guys to write off a movie starring women. OK, take us inside your cultural life. What are you watching at the moment? What am I watching right now? I, I, I'm actually watching a lot of true crime and, oh. and documentaries. I know. You know what it is? Because I'm in comedy, and so I, I, everything around me tends to be kind of light. So and you I'm, relax with a bit of I do. I, I'm fascinated murder. by what people, the weird, terrible things people do, or what people believe. I'm really into that. I don't know if you've been watching The Vow, uh, about the Nexium, uh, a whole Nexium cult that, that got taken down in the U.S. It's fascinating. It's really okay. fascinating. Where, where would I find that? That is on HBO Max, which I don't think you have here, but I'm sure there's a way to get it somehow. But um, Apparently it's on Now TV, I've just been told. Oh, there you Excellent. go. Excellent. Well, that's a recommendation. What, really are you, what are you reading? What am I reading? I'm reading my <laughs> cocktail books. <laughs> oh, Paul, please. <laughs> I know, exactly. <laughs> I, I, oh, I, actually, you know what? I just started reading um, uh, Seabag Montefiore's new book, uh, The World. The oh, World. Which is yeah. fascinating. 1,300 pages, It's a big it? tome, That'll but it's fantastic. And, and he's a friend of mine, too. He and his wife, Santa Montefiore, who's a great novelist, too. So that's really fun. Okay. Are you reading Stanley Tucci's Taste? It's a lovely little read, I read that it. one. Yeah. I read it. Oh, no, it's great. I mean, Stanley is the most wonderful guy. I'm, I'm a, a person who has had... Stanley uh, make dinner for me. So I've actually oh, eaten have? a Stanley. Oh, so good. You know, here, I'm going to tell you the secret. He, he, he made gnocchi with this amazing sauce, but his wife makes the gnocchi. Uh, um, and uh, Felicity. And yeah. she, it, it's it's the lightest cloud of air you've ever oh, had in your life. So but then he gorgeous. made a beautiful like a lamb and oh, everything. It's, it's Everything there is Imagine fantastic. being a Tucci. I know, I know. It's just incredible. I mean, not that being a Paul well, is, is I know. in Well, I know, is a little bit of a step down. <laughs> no, it isn't. No, it isn't. We turned, Stanley wanted to come on today, and we said no. We no. said oh, no. Oh, thank We'd you. We'd rather have Paul. Finally. So that was Paul Feig. Uh, what a lovely, just lovely half an hour in his company. And we should say a huge uh, thank you as well to Einar Orn, our technical director. Oh, don't thank him. No, I think... don't be silly, because he magicked up that lovely lounge music that went on in the background, and it made it all feel really special, Jane. <laughs> we had a lot. We looked at each other and thought, here we are in a lovely... No, you didn't. We yeah. really didn't. Having a chat, having a drink. Uh, unfortunately, there were microphones in the room, so it's never quite as intimate as you would like it to be in lots of ways. I've had a funny day because the Spanish man who's on the servery, um, I was just buying very innocuously some sparkling water and a Diet Coke, and um, he looked at me and said, um, you would like to... I can't do the Spanish accent, but he basically said... Don't. No. He said, do you like to fight? And I said, no. no. I mean, what chance would I get, really, in a fight? Um, and he said, oh, I'm a very volatile person. I'm Spanish and we love to fight. Had you and done... I said, I'm English and I like to compromise. Just oh, give well, me a good drinks. line. Yeah, uh, had you done something a little bit aggressive? Well, I'd bustled to the counter with the things I wanted to pay for, but I don't think you could call that aggressive. I think your bustling is very aggressive. Well, I don't think you realise how aggressive your bustling is. It's not intended to be. It... I pose no threat to anyone, as you well know. Well, he obviously thought that you were, you know, fists up to the world. <laughs> Just... No, nothing no. could be further from the truth. <laughs> OK. Uh, Have we had any emails? We've had lots of emails. Uh, this one comes from Claudia, who says, Hello, Jane and Fee. My girlfriends and I a few years ago started a campaign in response to Movember called February. Love it already. Yeah. For the month of February, we left our razors, creams and wax strips alone and let it all grow. Eyebrows, legs, everything. The first year, it was well into March or even April by the time I got myself to a salon. I was seen by a very much younger therapist. I explained why I looked the way I did and apologised and tipped. At the end of the wax, she gave me a piece of paper, a bit like a report card, and on it, it said, 
very thick hair. Mortified doesn't cover it. I've never before or since been given notes after a wax. Am I alone in this? Uh, love your show. Please continue podcasting for as long as possible. Well, we certainly will, Claudia, but I would love to throw that out to our universe. Uh, I, uh, we have had stories before of people uh, who, where the therapist has said something after yeah. the wax. And there was one delightful anecdote of a woman who had gone in for half leg mm -hmm. and bikini. And because she was so hairy, the therapist has said, I'm sorry, you're going to have to pay for a full leg Gosh. just because there are so many more hairs on your half leg than usual. Uh, and you can't understand that same amount of wax being used. Uh, but we haven't heard of anything being written down, so we'd love to take stories on that. And obviously, what a lovely thing to do, Feb you hairy. That's yes. really clever. It's a good idea, isn't it? Um, I think that, I mean, that therapist went, that's not right. You can't, you can't make assessments of people's, the level of thickness of people's body hair. I don't know, I think she might be in the wrong profession, that therapist. Anyway, Claudia, I'm glad, I hope you're over it. Well, she sounds like she is, to be fair. Um, but thank you for contacting us on this. And yes, we're throwing it open to the wider off-air community. Uh, Fee and Jane, while recently researching a staycation, I stumbled upon a trip... I love TripAdvisor. I, I'm always on it. Um, are you I, on it or are I you don't writing on it? I post on it, but I always check it, check it out. Um, I stumbled upon a TripAdvisor review of Sherwood Forest. The heading was the nudes are getting out of control and I had to investigate further. I'm not surprised, Katrina, who sent the email. Apparently, the RSPB, since taking over some of the forest management, has welcomed naturists to use some specific areas. But according to unhappy reviewers, naked ramblers are now popping up all over the place in ever-increasing numbers. As neither the reserved British climate nor character favoured social nudity historically, these reviews perfectly encapsulate the far more conflicted, less glamorous and uniquely British attitude towards naturism today. They've started a petition to outlaw naturism here, with their summary argument being, there is no need to walk about naked. Clothes do not stop you enjoying the forest. There are also lots of people who do like walking about naked there, but as they are rambling in wooded areas, are presumably sporting a fetching combo look of nudity, apart from walking socks and shoes, or as another reviewer noticed, wearing only wellies, not even good ones at that. And that is the final straw, isn't it? I mean, if someone's in hunter wellies and nothing else, you can just about forgive them. But honestly, bog standard ones. And We've got it, a theme no. of people saying honest things where maybe they should keep their mouths shut. Uh, this is a delightful email from Helen. And uh, shall I read the email and then will you do the very serious response at the yeah. bottom? From the Crown Prosecution <laughs> Service, no less. Yes. So we, we, we do, you can't say we don't cover ground here. Dear Jane and Fee, you did well to keep the interview about naturists going yesterday. I don't think it was our finest hour, actually. No. Uh, I'm on a car journey. And Although I'm... when our finest hour was is, is lost in the mist of time, but still. <laughs> no, no, darling, it's still to come. Oh, right. I'm on a car journey and I'm relaying the interview to my husband in response to hypothetically meeting a group of hikers who decided against the cagoule. He confidently said that's not allowed. It's against the law of the land. Now, the legal aspect of nudity wasn't covered yesterday. Uh, not that I'm planning to, but is it legal to hike in the nude? Well, Helen, here comes the response. Although every case should be considered according to its facts and merits in accordance with the Code for Crown Prosecutors, a consistent approach to naturism... 
You see, it's happened again. Should be adopted to maintain public confidence in the CPS. Where none of the features exist that would bring behaviour within the ambit of one of the offences set out in the section on other offences that might involve nudity below, the recommended approach to naturism. Nature. Can you say it, please? Naturism. Should be as follows. In the absence of any sexual context and in relation to nudity where the person has no intention to cause alarm or distress, it will normally be appropriate to take no action unless members of the public were actually caused harassment, alarm or distress, as opposed to considering the likelihood of this. Nudity in public alone with no aggravating features is very unlikely to amount to this or any other offence. You see, I still think that it would be a shock if you were not expecting to see a bunch of naked people and then you did see them. But isn't that saying that if you were distressed and shocked by that, then that would be enough uh, for an offence to be considered to have been committed? Let's say a group of elderly nuns are going for a ramble. Yes. And they encounter some naturists. Yes. In, for example, Sherwood Forest. Yes. Would they not be entitled to be somewhat alarmed? Yes, and I think the CPS is saying that then... They've got it covered, no pun intended. Yep. Uh, that uh, if they reported that distress and the naturists hadn't put their clothes on because they'd caused distress, then they could consider it to be an offence. But I'm with you because the shock is, you know, it's a bit, oh, my eyes, oh, my eyes. You can't, you well, can't unsee us, it. We're both relatively myopic without our very focals. And I wonder whether I'd have my very focals on a ramble. Yes. During a ramble. So, so you think that if it's blurry, it's not quite so offensive. Well, we all know that to be the case. <laughs> but I, I still I still think there's probably no more ridiculous sight on this earth, and I'm going to say this, than a man wearing walking shoes, a bobble hat and nothing else. Well, I think, just to be fair, I would say the same thing about a woman. Oh, I, I wouldn't look forward to seeing... A, I wouldn't look forward to seeing myself wearing a bobble hat and walking shoes and nothing. Although I don't know. I certainly haven't got thick hair, Claudia. <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, Jane and Fee at Times.Radio, uh, if you would like to contribute uh, or if you'd like us to stop talking about this, we'll take, we'll take either email. <laughs> we'll take the hint. Uh, oh, gosh, it was also the day for the, the Advent Calendar of Beauty, wasn't it? So um, we just want to acknowledge that. There's a Black Friday special offer on the first ever Sunday Times Advent calendar containing beauty products worth a lot of money. And the actual Advent calendar itself is a moderately reasonable price. I mean, expensive, don't get me wrong. But when you consider the value of the goods enclosed within the calendar, it's quite good value. Yeah, so you, you turned around a bit on that, didn't you? I did. When you realised that it was actually 23 days of re-gifting opportunities and one very sought-after present for yourself, I think you became slightly keener. Yes. If you listen to Off Air tomorrow, see if you can tell the difference, because I'll have smothered myself in anti-wrinkle cream. Mm. And I got the Boy Smells candle, which I still think is just... I mean, I'm sure it's a great brand, but I mean, sitting around the boardroom going, what should we call this? Boy who, smells. Who, who came up with boy smells? Probably a naked rambler. <laughs> right. Join us tomorrow if you must. It's uh, <laughs> thank you for listening to this. Jane and Fee off air. 
Oh, I'm looking forward to it. Off air with Jane and Fee. I still don't know no, what it is. No, I don't know what it is. Let's lisp our way through it. I think it's uh, it's off air with Jane and Fee. Oh, yeah, I thought it was. Yeah, because do you remember the memo? Tom Allen on the programme tomorrow and on the podcast. OK, good night. Bye. You have been listening to Off Air with Jane Garvey and Fee Glover. Our Times radio producer is Rosie Cutler and the podcast executive producer is Ben Mitchell. Now you can listen to us on the free Times radio app or you can download every episode from wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget that if you liked what you heard and thought, hey, I want to listen to this but live, uh, then you can Monday to Thursday, 3 till 5 on Times radio. Yeah, embrace the live radio jeopardy. Thank you for listening and hope you can join us Off Air very soon. Goodbye. iOS helps you control which apps you share your exact location with. There's more to iPhone. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.